This episode contains material that one may find uncomfortable. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome once again to Crime, the only podcast dedicated to true crime in New York's capital region. I'm your host, Jason Bullitt, whom you may remember from the Keep It To Yourself podcast, of which this is an offshoot. This is the first episode of the podcast wherein we have a special request. Bill Mullen, a past guest and friend of the Kitty Pod, mentioned during that podcast's recent 100th episode that when I brought up the fact that I had begun this offshoot, that I should do an episode on Joel O'Keefe, a Saratoga Springs resident who made national headlines when he escaped from New York State Police custody in 1994 and whose crimes and manhunt beforehand spanned three states in two decades. I've mentioned many times on my parent podcast that I cast the pods from the rolling hills of Saratoga County. Saratoga Springs is the economic and cultural hub of said county. There have been many things, in my opinion, that have made the spa city the community it is. Great small businesses, who could sure use your help right now. A vibrant downtown, despite the fact that hideous luxury apartments are now mingling with old Victorian-era structures. The Caroline Street bars that a younger self used to frequent. There's also the Saratoga Racecourse, the oldest continuously operating sporting venue in the United States, which attracts thousands of visitors and horse players every summer. Likewise, the Saratoga Performing Arts Center brings culture to the community during that time, ranging from popular music acts to classical music provided by the New York City Ballet and the Philadelphia Orchestra. However, it was near the spa city where the most extensive manhunt in both county and capital region history took place. The escape, manhunt for, and eventual capture of Joel O'Keefe. On the afternoon of September 23, 1994, Joel O'Keefe, then 34 years of age, was en route to the Saratoga County Jail from the courthouse in his native Washington County, where he had been arraigned on charges of possessing marijuana and weapons. The former was more of a legal and moral issue back then. While the unmarked New York State Police Cruiser was stopped at a red light at Routes 50 and 67 in the county seat of Balsam Spa, O'Keefe bolted out of said cruiser and made a run for freedom. It was sussed out later that O'Keefe was not restrained by means of a seatbelt and he was handcuffed with his hands in front of him rather than behind the back as his protocol. And to top it off, the cruiser was also unlocked, making easy his escape. Thus began an epic manhunt. O'Keefe's charges in 1994 were not his first dance with the courts. Thirteen years earlier, in 1981, he racked up a rap sheet on the other side of the North American continent, specifically in California. He was also a suspect in a double murder in 1988, for which no one had been charged as of 2018, and which O'Keefe denies to this day. At the time of his escape, O'Keefe was also staring down additional charges of larceny, first-degree burglary, sexual abuse, and unlawful imprisonment, all stemming from an incident wherein he attacked a woman by knife point in her Round Lake apartment that June while forcing her daughter to stay in a closet during the attack. 
No less than 200 deputies were called in response to the escape and to assist in the search for O'Keefe. Assisting them were infrared equipment, search dogs, and helicopters. Almost but not quite like the third act of Goodfellas. While the New York State Police centered their search around Boston Spa, O'Keefe had driven back to Washington County and then made his way to southern Vermont. It was in Bennington that an eagle-eyed clerk behind the counter at a Subway sandwich shop pointed him out as a fugitive two weeks later. The police soon followed. O'Keefe had stopped at two places on the way by, a barn to use bolt cutters to remove his handcuffs and a Salvation Army thrift store to purchase new clothes. A number of the troopers were later disciplined for not properly securing O'Keefe and that they only did it when he had complained it was painful being cuffed behind his back. In the end, O'Keefe was convicted of escape, burglary, and weapons possession, all felonies. He was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison. The sexual abuse charge was dropped as part of the plea deal. O'Keefe was sent to the Clinton Correctional Facility in Dannemora, which will come up again in a future episode of this podcast, and placed in solitary confinement. In the year 2000, O'Keefe requested a temporary release in order to attend his father's funeral. The request was denied. Bummed but undeterred, O'Keefe plotted out his first of what would be three prison breaks. His break involving a grappling hook, rope, and a handmade device to pick locks was unsuccessful, as was his subsequent attempt using the same devices. The following year, O'Keefe was transferred to Southport Correctional Facility in Shimung County, where he got in trouble after getting hold of a toy gun and pointing it at the corrections officers while in transit. O'Keefe was promptly disarmed. For his infractions, O'Keefe racked up an additional four and a half to nine years in prison and was also denied parole three times. In March 2018, O'Keefe was finally paroled from the Five Points Correctional Facility in Seneca County and was living in a cabin in his hometown of Argyle, Washington County. However, after a few months on the outside, he went back to his criminal ways. O'Keefe found himself on the trail of some Punani and looked up some females in Fort Edward, Glens Falls, and Saratoga Springs, one for each of the tri-counties. However, as anyone who's been paroled will tell you, freedom initially comes with restrictions in the form of an ankle bracelet tracking your location and a parole officer to whom the parolee should report on the regular. It turns out that one of the subjects of O'Keefe's advances was a female parole officer. On October 10, 2018, O'Keefe was put back into jail for his lack of informing his parole officer of his whereabouts, despite writing a letter to the Glens Falls Post-Star stating otherwise. This time, O'Keefe is in prison at the Great Meadow Correctional Facility. Give Kenyon Prine our regards, would you? And was re-released in March of this year, coronavirus be damned. Assuming the original release date, O'Keefe's parole would end on July 25, 2023. In the words of Tony Kornheiser, I'll get you out on this. Bill Mullen, who suggested this topic, lived in the Geysercrest subdivision of Saratoga Springs at the time. I've known Bill since middle school, and he has a rather funny story about the manhunt. As he tells it, Bill's parents had a basement in the back of their house with a refrigerator inside, and he and his siblings used to sneak out through an unlocked window late at night for a little, shall we say, midnight snack. 
cookies in this instance. The night Joel O'Keefe was rumored to have been in the neighborhood, the Moans had all gone to bed. The next morning, all the cookies were gone from the fridge. Everyone in the family had thought that O'Keefe had broken into the house, snuck into the fridge, and made off with and ate the snacks. At least that's what his older brother thought. And on that note, we wrap up this episode of Crime. We thank you as ever for listening. By we, I mean I. If you enjoy what you're listening to, leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review. You can also listen to this and the Keep It To Yourself podcast, which recently celebrated its 100th episode on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, or the platform you're choosing. Till we meet again next week, I've been your host, Jason Bullitt, and you've been you all along. Please continue to stay safe out there. Bye-bye.